0: Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, and this week I talk to Sarah Wenig, a registered dietitian and nutritionist specializing in performance and sports nutrition for athletes and performing artists. The word diet, nutrition, even food, bring up a lot of feelings for so many of us, specifically us performers. So having Sarah in this space was something that I did not take lightly. And Sarah rises to the occasion in such beautiful ways of demystifying a lot of these misnomers, misconceptions, and things that we have associated with these labels in our industry. Sarah clarifies the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. She addresses these misconceptions and others and highlights the significance of listening to one's body. We discuss the athleticism of performers, the importance of recognizing food as fuel for sustaining the demands of this career, and the need for recovery. Sarah shares practical tips for preparing meals and snacks to support busy schedules. She gives further insights on balanced nutrition and ways to create small and sustainable changes in mindset and routine to continue trusting oneself and taking care of oneself holistically. As always, take care of yourself as you listen. Enjoy. Sarah, hi. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> so good to see it's you. It's so
1: good to see you too. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my God. Y'all, Sarah and I knew each other when we were children, literal baby children doing community theater together at Playgroup Theater um, in Westchester, New York. When we were how old? We were in what? Middle school? I, high we school? Were, we were
1: in high school and I think we were like 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah we were young. <laughs>
0: Really, yeah. We did. did, Were we in class? We were. Did we do a show?
1: We were in class. We did West Side Story together.
0: That one. That was Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that because that would have been my freshman year of high school.
1: It was my sophomore year. Yeah.
0: Yep, that's wild. Well, life has happened. Things have truly life has happened, and seasons have changed. Um, And I'm so excited for this conversation. So for anybody who does not know who you are, who are you today?
1: (laughs) I am Sarah. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. I specialize in performance nutrition and work with teams and players across all different sports and performing arts. And that's who I am today. Obsessed. I want to know how you got into that field. I, you know, it all kind of just happened really organically, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I woke up one day and I was like, I want to be a performance and sports dietitian. Um, yeah, I was acting after undergrad and I started teaching Pilates and that ended up taking over and led me to better my nutrition, better my health. And I had a lot of people asking me what they should eat, like my Pilates clients. So I decided to test the waters and I did a health coaching program and I was like, this is not enough. I want to become a dietitian. And so I went back to school. Um, You have to do an internship year, like residency, where you rotate through all different nutrition areas. And I did a rotation in sports nutrition and loved it. And so that was kind of where I was like, this is what I want to do. And I saw the parallels between sports nutrition and the way that the performing arts world Acts and is. And so I feel really passionate about bringing performance nutrition into this space.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that this is a sensitive topic um, for many, talking anywhere around even the word diet, the word food, the word like nutrition, those things for many people, myself included. Um, There's reaction levels um, for. The way in which we each respond to that given our own lives and experiences so i just first want to like note that as <laughs> just like as we venture into this conversation um i'm curious before we dive further what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist
1: so if you call yourself a nutritionist anyone can call themselves that there's no degree required there's no certification you know, you could go research something on your own or like have your own experience and feel that you know how to help people, you know, with that and say, hey, I'm a gut dietitian because I had all these gut problems myself.
0: Um, oh, wow. Okay. So it's like in in some way, it's similar to say like life coaching where it's like there isn't necessarily like, I mean, there are some programs that you could learn more about how one can do that, but it's not like you go and get like a master's degree in nutrition. Right.
1: So right. It's like life okay. coaching, health coaching. You mo- Most people who call themselves nutritionists have like some certification you know there there there's some online weekend long ones you know six month ones where like most of the time they're just teaching you how to run a business um and i say that because not because to put down the people who call themselves nutritionists because i know they're passionate about it but to become a dietitian you have to go to school you either study in an undergrad and that's your degree and then you do the dietetic internship year which you know you have to apply and match like residency, and sometimes you have to go to places you don't want to, um, and then sit mm-hmm. for the RD exam, and then a master's. Now now they're going to require the master's before you can even do the RD exam, and those master's can be one, two, three years depending on what you do. Um, wow. But for someone like me who didn't study nutrition in undergrad, I had to do an extra two years of a special post-bac program where you study chem, biochem, organic chemistry, microbio, all the nutrition sciences. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that if you're a registered dietitian, it's really a medical profession. You know, they, they're first right. and foremost in the hospitals, and you have to have schooling like that. So, you know, a registered dietitian means that they've been through extensive schooling and spent a lot of time studying, practicing, observing, rotating, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. To be that.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I know for myself, I I don't and didn't know the difference um, necessarily. You know, I think when i hear like oh nutritionist dietitian like it's just their words you know but it's it's really helpful i think to know like oh one has the extensive background that is literal medicine based yeah. um and it's not to take away for sure about somebody who's interest and in they're doing their own research and they're hopefully spending time on their own actually excavating and really learning but one is from a degree perspective and an institutional perspective and one is perhaps on one's own time
1: yeah. and you have to you have to pass a nationally accredited exam in order to become a dietitian. So you can't just call yourself a registered dietitian. You have to actually pass this exam and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's it. Yeah. So once you've
0: gotten this underneath your belt and you've realized that this performance aspect of things is something that you're really interested in, how did you venture into sports land?
1: I, again, like it all just kind of happened. I loved my time in my rotation. I I was at Rutgers University doing sports nutrition with their, their football and basketball teams. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I ended up deciding to do my master's in sports nutrition. And so I applied to, and I um, got into a dual master's program at Columbia, which is both sports nutrition and exercise physiology. Um, I also wanted to have a background in exercise physiology because of the Pilates, and also I understand and you know it's you can't just learn sports nutrition and not get the exercise component of it, you know. And with mm-hmm. working with pro athletes, you have to understand exercise physiology from like a very very deep level. Um, so did my internship, ended up in this program at Columbia, ended up working for a year with three pro teams which ultimately led me to my own private practice. And I now work privately with athletes, which also has expanded to performing artists um, and anyone who is physically using their body like an athlete for extended periods of time, whether they're performing, running around, you know, marathons, you name it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I'm super pumped to have you in this space because what we do as artists is athleticism at its finest. I think we are taught that it's just like something that we do, but if we really think about it and break it down, we are using our bodies fully and arguably to the nth degrees of um, the way in which um, you know bodies are to be used. We are athletes and I think there is a misnomer around the idea that it's just like for play or that it comes naturally because people are talented. And all of that's true. And there is a way to do it in a way that is sustainable for long term. And I'm curious as you've done this work, and we'll get further into it obviously, like what are some of the things that you have found um, are perhaps um, similarities between I mean, in my mind, we are professional athletes. But obviously, it's just in a different field. You know, like I'm not throwing a basketball into a hoop. Maybe I am. If somebody's hiring me for it, I'll do it. You know, I'll go back to my basketball days when I was in middle school. But, um, like, what are some what are some parallels that you've seen with um, professional athletes in the sports land and the performing artists that you are working with in terms of their body usage, in terms of um, their uh, daily habits, those kind of things.
1: Yeah. So with sports nutrition in general, right? The way that I look at athletes and this is anyone across the board is that you're using your body for extended period of time to perform, whether that's on a stage, on a basketball court, on a football field, whatever it may be. You are expending energy. You are utilizing your muscles and you are putting yourself in a place where you need to recover well and get up and do it all over again the next day or later in the day if you have a second show, right? Yeah. And so what all of these athletes and performers everyone has in common is that the timing of the food that they eat and and what they eat is going to dictate how well they perform. How well they recover. Are they going to get sick? Are they going to have an injury? That's a huge thing. And so at the end of the day it's pretty much one in the same person one in the same type and so those are the the similarities are all right there yeah what are some of the
0: things that you have found to be like and i again i say all this recognizing that there is no one human that is the same but are there some like baseline things that you're like cool we're going to this is like a healthy or um i don't even know like what the word would be like this is Yeah, like a baseline that ideally every athlete on whatever stage they are doing metaphorically or literally um their thing they it would be ideal if this was like the foundation that everybody operated from knowledge wise or toolbox wise
1: i i wish that everyone had an understanding of balanced nutrition um Um,
0: let's talk about what that means yeah
1: so i i think that you know, when I speak from my experience and and a lot of my friends and clients I worked with, no one's ever sat down in a class and been taught like why certain things are important, how to balance a plate. Like we didn't have like nutrition 101 as part of high school, even. Um, yeah. no one has really explained why like carbs are necessary for energy, right? Like mm-hmm. carbs are what give us energy. They are the, the gas in your car tank. That is what you need and so mm-hmm. balanced means that you're you're eating all of the nutrients so you have the macronutrients which are protein carbs and fat and then you have fruits and veggies which are your you know micronutrients and vitamins and minerals they're also fruits and vegetables are also a carb um you need all of those on your plate to have a balanced meal you need all of those items to work together in order for your body to properly absorb and digest and function and so if you start cutting things out or you skip meals um, you start to lose the balance. Mm -hmm.
0: How does one know for oneself what that balance is?
1: So everybody is different. Everyone's Mm -hmm. body is different, but when it comes to performance, the key is, and this is across the board for everyone, the timing of what you eat is super important and what you eat in those times. For example, if you are about to, you know, do a show, have a game, have practice, rehearsal, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, And it's going to be more than an hour of energy, you know, of you working out. Yeah. You need to make sure that depending on the time of day, so this is where it gets a little bit complicated. It's what time is this, right? If it's...
0: Well, let's give a hypothetical. Let's say, you know, let's say I... I'm in a show. I actually have a matinee at 2 o'clock, and I also have a show at 8. I'm going to give myself a full day. I have a show at, at 2, a show at 8. This would never happen, actually, but whatever. <laughs> we'll just say it okay. Um, And then I have, like, a small put-in rehearsal in the morning at, like, 10 a.m. Um, it should only be an hour, uh, but it's just to check something. Put in rehearsal for an hour, and then I'll have my break, the 2 o'clock, and the 8 o'clock.
1: You're going to want to get up, and you're going to want to have breakfast within an hour of waking up and ideally like three hours away from that rehearsal. Is that for digestion purposes? Yeah. And everyone's different. Like yeah. I, I have I have athletes who will eat a full meal half an hour before going out to play and they're fine. That's that's rare. Usually it's like three to four hours before. Okay. The thing is that you want to be having a meal or a snack every three to four hours. And so it starts to get a okay. little tricky. So the timing is super important. So. Meal about three hours before, and what's in that meal is going to matter. If you have a lot of fiber or a lot of fat or a lot of heavy proteins or a lot of complex carbs, which have fiber in them, you're not going to feel great in that rehearsal. Mm -hmm. If it's like a light rehearsal, that's like, you know, maybe not as physical or, you know, with my athletes, if it's a walkthrough, then Mm -hmm. you can still be digesting while you're out there. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you have a show at 2, you got to get your luncheon probably around like 11 or 12. And then you want to have and, – and that's going to be more carb-focused because the carbs are going to give you energy. And so depending on how much time you have, I work with my clients to figure out what is the best thing for your body for you to have given the guidelines of carbs as energy and you don't want a lot of fiber and so on and so forth so that you can then go do that show and feel really good. And then mm-hmm. snacks get dispersed. So maybe you maybe you're the type of person who – you need to eat three hours before the show. So it's at 11. And then right before the show, you're going to have a banana. And then okay. halfway through, you're going to have a honey stinger, which is a really popular um, pre-workout carb snack. It has honey and-, and Never waffles. heard of it it's-
0: in my life.
1: What? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've
0: never heard of it in my it's life. Like, it's like, oh, it's Really well-known
1: in the sports world. Um, it's like cool. these, little, these little waffles and they have um, honey inside of them and you get both glucose and fructose, which is the best for performance, Um, getting all sciencey now. But you have that halfway through. Maybe you have some fruit, some carbohydrate to keep you going. And then you you finish the show, you have a break. You got to replenish carbs, protein for your muscles to regenerate and start to heal from all of the work that you just did and fluid for hydration. Maybe you need to get another meal in there, but maybe that meal before the evening show is – a plate of pasta with red sauce because it's just carbs, but it's going to give you what you need to have the stamina to get through. You also have to keep in mind that all this food is helping your body recover and heal because you want to kickstart that recovery process right away so that you can go do that show later and get up and do it all again the next day. Followed by a real dinner after the show where you can have like, you know, all the protein, all the fiber, all the fat and everything that that is necessary that maybe you missed out earlier in the day because we were trying to be more careful with the timing of things. Yeah. It's so interesting
0: because I'm like clocking myself and my own body stuff as you're talking, and thinking about the way in which I eat and my timing of my eating. And certainly when I am doing a show or running around like a chicken with its head cut off, you know, to even, you know, auditions or to meetings or, you know, from work to this work or whatever it is, you know, the timing aspect of it is such an interesting phenomenon because, and I will only speak for myself because that is all I can go off of, That is probably where my nutrition suffers in that the inconsistency of my routine is one that doesn't necessarily afford me or I've given excuses towards or I haven't prioritized being like, cool, this day is going to be totally different than the next day, which is different than the next day. And now what I'm doing is skipping a meal here because I'm, I've had a later breakfast, which means I'm not really hungry between this thing, between this thing, and then I'm eating a later dinner. You know what I'm saying? And I feel, I feel like the timing of it is the thing that would trip me up always. Um, and wondering how one balances that with perhaps the inconsistency of schedule.
1: So that and this is something that's really common for most people, not just yeah, you know, athletes and and it's really across the board is hectic schedules, timing. The best way to combat that is preparation to have okay. things, you know, to know your body and to know what you need. And that that takes that's hard to get to that point to really understand mm-hmm. your body. Cause you also don't ever want to get to a point where you're actually like feeling hungry. That means you've gone too long or if you're Thinking about food or wondering about your next meal, those are clues that your body is hungry. Um, You want to catch that before that happens. And so in order to do so, there's strategies, right? Like having certain foods prepped in your fridge that you know you can just grab and maybe throw together a quick two-minute meal. Um, Having snacks that are very well-rounded. And what I mean by well-rounded is you always want to have a snack that has a little bit of each macronutrient, so a protein, a carbon, a fat. You don't mm-hmm. want to be having like, you know, something that skews totally one way um, okay. to keep you between, you know, meals. What are some examples
0: of those things that have those elements to them?
1: Greek yogurt. So dairy is a carb, a fat, and a protein. Um, Greek yogurt is, you know, I tell my clients it's, it's going to give you protein um, mm-hmm. with berries banana, that's fruit, which is a carb. And you can do, there's fat in the in the Greek yogurt. I always recommend like 2%. Um, mm-hmm. You could, if you get like a 0%, you could put some almond butter in it and sprinkle a teeny tiny bit of granola, right? That's a very well-rounded snack and the almond butter is a healthy fat. Um, mm-hmm. Some people love rice cakes and peanut butter and banana. Some cool. people love like turkey slices and like a little lettuce thing with Mayo, you know, there's so many different things that you can do. It just also depends on are you running around. If you're running around like crazy, none of those are probably going to be feasible. So that's where figuring out, you know, some of my clients love the RX bars. Some of them love the Sakara Mm -hmm. bars with a piece of fruit. Some of them really do well carrying a small shaker bottle with some protein powder around with them and grabbing some fruit on the way or a handful of nuts. Um, so it's just about figuring out what works best for you. Some people even do like a piece of avocado toast with an egg. It just really depends. It's kind of like a mini meal if you really think about it. hmm
0: Yeah. I think – oh, boy. I think the thing that like freaks me out – and again, I'm only going to talk about myself here. What freaks me out is like the fear around – all of a sudden I'm paying attention to these macros, micros labels of things. Like, does this have protein? Does this am I meeting these things? And then the fear for myself of getting um, specific about it, too focused on it, and then it becomes problematic. Where is that line towed?
1: So that's a that's a line that I never want any of my clients to cross and feel like. Sure. And so what happens in sessions, and my job is to help educate my clients on what foods are what, what food combinations are good, and give them the guidelines and give them the tools and the support so that they don't have to think about it, right? It's my it's my job to kind of put all that together and yeah. educate my clients so that they can go in and make informed decisions themselves, but not feel stressed by it, not feel like, overly consumed by food because that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so it would be a matter of you just kind of figuring out you know, what foods make you feel good and what foods are going to energize you and which ones aren't and which ones make sense for what time of day you're in, what kind of schedule you have that day, and then just having them ready to go. So all you have to do is grab it and run out the door. Yeah.
0: What I'm hearing is this idea that it's not about limiting. It's not about Um, cutting. It's about being aware enough of your body and its needs and just whatever planning is to you, like prepping enough so that you have the ability to not put yourself in a position where you are feeling so stressed that you end up pulling something that later on you're like, I knew that wasn't going to feel good for me. And really just like recognizing that your body will tell you this feels good. This does not. I need more of this. Yeah.
1: It takes a very, it takes, it's hard to get to that point. I don't want to say it takes a long time. It's different for everyone, but that is not something that any, like that's not a tool that most people have from the start. We have it when we're little kids sure, and we lose it somewhere. We've all lost it somewhere along the way. Um, Yeah.
0: Do you feel like that's because of what we're taught? Do you feel like it's because of what we see in, you know, in advertisements that we're Subconsciously or consciously trained to think that there is a right way and a wrong way, and then we grow up thinking all of that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very, you know, a very loaded question. But yes, I think it's a lot of things. It's, you know, were you as a kid told to always finish the food on your plate? Were you, you know, restricted in any way? Did you start restricting, you know, if there's a history of eating disorders, diet culture, right? Like us growing up in like the 90s and early 2000s. Um, the idea of just being skinny, low fat diets were a huge thing when we were younger. So a lot of my clients are scared to eat fat, like fat will not make you fat. (laughs) It is so important and it's so important for recovery and performance. Um, yeah, people want to eat low calories. That doesn't work. It does not work, especially in this field. It does, you need calories. So it's, you know, it's not about restricting. It's actually for most people about adding more. And, you know, an example of that is a lot of, a lot of people that I work with, they don't eat breakfast and they run out the door. For most people that's setting yourself up for failure, you're, you know, you're waking up. I like to use the example of a car, your gas tank's on empty and you start driving. You're not filling up the tank. And so interestingly, when people start adding in a very well balanced breakfast, which to them might feel like a lot of food, right? It might feel like, oh my gosh, I'm eating so much more than I'm used to. The rest of their day kind of falls into more balance naturally and oftentimes it can mitigate a lot of like snacking that comes later on in the day or any binge snacking because you didn't eat enough earlier in the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All of this is so fascinating. It's also not like rocket science. <laughs> it's not rocket science. <laughs> but but you know, again, I'm clocking within myself like my emotional response to it. And I would I would imagine that there are other folks who are listening to this too and like just clocking themselves and their own habits and like how they've been brought up and the things that they've been taught and the things that they know and they're trying to unknow and all of these things. And I guess my next question is just like the emotional part around it, right? Like let's say somebody is like, cool, I am in the most strenuous show schedule that I've ever been in or I'm doing a job that like a you know a survival gig or whatever you want to call it that keeps me on my feet i'm i'm a waiter and i am running around left and right and like it's busy and hectic and i work at a really busy restaurant and my hours are wild emotionally how does one begin to reframe or think through the best way for them to like start feeling more positive or excited relationship towards this as an endeavor
1: (sighs) that that (sighs) takes one-on-one sessions and talking through it right because a lot of what i what i help people with is behavior change and and ideals around food there's a fine line between what i do and you know working with someone like uh eating disorder therapist if it's like really bad um Mm -hmm. but you know i can sit here and i can tell you the most ideal way to eat in a day but if someone is nowhere near that it's yeah. going to be way too much of a jump way too much of a challenge very daunting and very overwhelming to try to get there yeah and arguably
0: that would potentially cause more harm exactly, too in the end because exactly. then somebody's just going to
1: yeah mm-hmm. so you always have to meet people where they are right like let's go back to the breakfast example they're not eating breakfast they're getting up they're running out the door They don't have time to cook a meal. It stresses them out to have to think about, oh my God, do I have protein? Do I have this? Do I have that? Then the question is, what's one thing that you think you could have in the morning that would give you a little bit of energy? Like, is it a banana on your way out? Is it a couple pieces of fruit? You know, is it, maybe they're not hydrating. Maybe it just starts with like, hey, you're going to start drinking more water and let's see what that does. And start to kind of see the changes that happen in the body slowly and surely. So it takes a lot of time to start to make new habits and new changes that feel good. Because ultimately it's it's dictated by, does this change make you feel good?
0: Right. And that's- Yes, which is such a different reframe. It's not like, how do I look? And you know, what is the physical results? You're talking about it from an internal, like f- actual feeling of like, does this make me feel okay?
1: My, yeah. I tell every single new or prospective client who I work with, my goal for you is not for you to gain 20 pounds of muscle, lose 30 pounds. You know, My goal is for you to feel your best that you've ever felt, help you feel more confident through this and go out there and perform and do your job and recover from it and feel awesome to keep going. Yeah, That's it. Yeah, which is such
0: a different shift than what we've been taught. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it, I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists. And I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollectivecom slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollectivecom slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. What is recovery? because we talk about that. So, like, go and you know, like take a bath. <laughs> but like, really, what is it to recover from a very physically demanding career choice, a job, a daily
1: routine? whenever you're expending energy? So if, you know, you're a waiter on the side, right? And you're running around like crazy and then you're going and doing your show. Whatever it may be, you are physically using your body, you're exercising, mm-hmm. you are using up your carbs. So carbs carbs turn into sugar, which give us energy. So people are scared of sugar and that, that's a whole other conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just say that the sugar from fruit is good, don't be afraid of it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, seriously, uh, that's a big one that I get a lot. Um, that you need to be using carbs. It gets stored as what's called glycogen. Those glycogen stores get depleted through exercise. So when you're out there performing, you're you're depleting those glycogen stores. And that's why about halfway through, you need more carbs to re-up those glycogen stores. When you don't have enough glycogen stores and, and also you're using your muscles, right? And your muscles, they need protein in order to start recovering and repairing and healing. You also need carbs for that to happen. And then you need you know, fats for anti-inflammatory and and all all these different things. I could talk for a long time about what each of the macronutrients really, truly do. Um, but ultimately, you know, just you need all of them to help get your body back to where it was before you did this three hour show.
0: Okay. Whatever it And that is what recovery is, is so that we have something in your storage units, basically, to pull from so that your body can get back to, quote, unquote, whatever that is, yeah. like neutral. You need to
1: hydrate to rehydrate your body. You need to mm-hmm. add the carbs back in to, to restore your, you know, carb stores, and you need the protein to start healing your muscles because they need to recover mm-hmm. so that then you can get up and go do it again the next day. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's the hardest part of it all, right, which is that you are doing this thing over and over. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's my next question for you, which is if we are in a show and you are doing the same movement over and over and over again, whether it's dance, whether it's physical theater, whether it's just sitting and standing, your body is doing the same thing over and over and over again. What have you found for folks that are repeating physical activity versus like, you know, you're getting your heart rate up in different ways or whatever, but like this is like you are doing the same thing you end up finding as you're doing that, that your body goes into like comfort. Like, this is something that I just do. This is part of my routine. I'm not feeling like the spikes of excitement anymore. It's, you know, like I, I think back to being on tour with the band's visit and like, I was roller skating every single night in the same exact pattern. And I was, you know, doing my skating up and screaming in Hebrew in the same exact pattern. And yes, was like my emotional life different? And was I hopefully listening and responding? Absolutely. But physically speaking, my blocking was my blocking was my blocking every single night. Um, How would it have been best? (laughs) Or Like as I started to feel in my body, like I could do this while I'm sleeping. Your body is not necessarily as connected to it as when I first started roller skating and was like, I'm gonna fall off this stage every night if I don't mind what I'm doing. How does one remind one's body that you're actually doing something physically active?
1: I mean, if even if you're mentally not thinking about it, if you were like a wearable, right? Like let's say you had like a whoop on, and you, which, okay. which is almost like an Apple watch or an aura ring, they all track your, yeah. they can track your activity levels. You're still doing the same activity. You're still burning yeah. through energy, which is calories. Calories give you energy. like For sure. I just like in
0: my brain and in my mind and in my body, it's like I know I get to a point when I'm in performance that like it doesn't feel like it anymore because muscularly speaking, I'm prepared for it. So I'm not necessarily expending or it doesn't feel like I'm expending as much as perhaps I still am or like my body has gotten into a routine now that it doesn't necessarily clock, that it feels somehow different or that, I'm, or that maybe I'm just better prepared for it. And so I'll start to take advantage of the fact that, oh, you're better prepared. You don't need to actually fuel yourself the same way. How does one remind oneself in that moment? Or before. I think
1: you have to remember that if you start, you know, ideally you would have a routine down. You would ideally you would have your food down, your, you know, foods that make you feel good, foods that refuel you, you know what the meals are that you want before and and after and et cetera, et cetera. If you start to to limit that or or kind of skip out on that, the number one thing that pops into my mind is like injury, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're wearing down your muscles. You're you're utilizing like all of this energy that could lead to injury. And that could Mm -hmm. lead, you know, obviously the effects of injury, you're going to be out. So it's more of understanding that if I take care of my nutrition, and it's not just food, right? It's sleep, it's hydration, it's alcohol, like it's all of these things. It's stress, mental health. Mm -hmm. You could set yourself up to get injured and to compromise the work that you're doing. So you have to just- be motivated to understand like this is what i need to do to keep myself healthy. Yeah.
0: And healthy being like not getting injured. <laughs> like-
1: yeah, not getting sick, not feeling mm-hmm. burnt out, which i'm, um, you know, that's hard to do and yeah, making sure that you're doing everything in your power to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. What do you feel like is a misnomer that people have about this as a topic
1: generally? Nutrition or or performance nutrition? <laughs> I don't know, both either. I think so I think this also goes back to the nutritionist versus dietitian conversation we'll, we'll do broad in general. Great. Right. I think I don't think a lot of people understand what it means to be a registered dietitian. Um okay. I think that's also, you know, nutrition especially and this also we'll talk about performance in the world of sports. Sports nutrition is pretty new. It's it's not every professional sports team has a full-time dietitian yet. Like it's still building. Um mm-hmm. And so I think that also in the world of just, you know, life, people don't get the difference between the nutritionist and dietitian, or they have a personal trainer who did a weekend course and tells them that they can do their nutrition, and they don't get the value of what a registered dietitian does. They think that a lot of people come to me and they think that I'm doing just meal plans or like calorie counting or putting people on diets. And that is like the furthest thing from what I do. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really it's really a very in-depth look at this person's whole life in order to set them up you know like we were talking about before so that they feel really supported to keep doing what they're doing and and that's that's in anything if you have you know dietitians in the hospital dietitians and food service all of it in terms of sports nutrition the biggest thing that i have come across including with some of my football linebackers which blows my mind people think that they don't need carbohydrates or that if they cut carbs they will lose weight. Like that is just not how it works and unfortunately with this whole idea of the keto diet, it's really messed people up. And with my elite athletes and with performing artists who are elite athletes, your body needs so much more than the average person. And and they don't realize that. And so that's that's yeah. a big that's a big one.
0: Yeah. I know it's such a I feel like I'm like afraid of like asking questions like I really want to ask because it's so touchy, you know, and it's, again, we were talking about this before we even started. It's just like, you know, there isn't a, we also talked about this a little bit, but like there isn't a single human being who is the same and we all have our own backgrounds and history and relationship to this as a topic. And, you know, for me having you in this space, even that is like, you know, it was, like within myself, it's like, okay, cool. If I'm bringing somebody into this space to talk on this podcast about nutrition and there's like the word diet in their title, (laughs) like what am I saying by having somebody come in here? And it's like, what we're talking about isn't the food perspective necessarily. It's talking about the fact that we're really trying to create a lifestyle choice, a survival like incubator for yourself to be able to show up fully performance ready every single day. It's about the sustainability around it. And for me, it was like, okay, if we're talking about it from that perspective, then that's a conversation that we need to be having, right? It's like we the burnout conversation that happens in this industry is so intense and in-depth the way in which people are pushing their bodies because we've been taught that we can't say no luckily there's like in this pandemic shift there's like the kind of a talk about like well now we're recognizing how like an understudy and a cover and a swing exist like they're incredible and that's why they're there so that we can take care of our bodies and call out and for our mental health and call out. But there has been this stigma around it. And so much of it is that we've been put into this environment we where to, to talk about maintaining health, whatever that means in a, in a big, broad box, is taboo. And I don't want to be living in a world where we can't even talk about the fact that we are athletes who are trying to do something really insane. You know, we shared this before. There's that Lion King, is it ESPN? What was right? The ESPN yes. thing where they track this Lion King dancer ensemble person backstage. They put a little like Fitbit on, on her and like check check her heart rate while she's running around like a mad human behind, you know, the set and just like putting on these costumes. Like the workout that this person does during the Lion King is actually insane. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it eight shows a week. And it's like, who thought that this wasn't an athlete who's doing like we are doing the thing? I know this is a long rant, but basically it's just like this idea that we're not able to talk about the the like forget the like details of it. Yes, we all have our own stuff that we need to probably work through emotionally with therapists and dietitians and whomever, but like on the general overview about the fact that it's really like we are athletes who are using our bodies on a level that is the same as somebody who is in the NBA. That was my like. My rant is over.
1: <laughs> I I think that it's so. I know we talked about this before. I think it's so important to shift the perspective from like, oh my god, here's a dietitian. Like, and then you know people run with it. Like, I want to be skinny. Yeah. I want to look like this. I want you know just kind of all the, all the diet culture and everything that's yeah made this person feel the way that they do around food is coming up. Yeah at the end of the day, food is fuel. And what you guys mm-hmm. do is pro athlete level. And yeah. you need to fuel in order to keep doing what you're doing and in order to sustain it and in order to feel good. And And you can, I, you can still have body composition goals and meet them through this while still fueling correctly. And I think that yeah. uh, that You know, based on what you and I were chatting about, it seems like there's a big disconnect between understanding food as fuel and, like, thinking of, like, food as, like, diet. Absolutely. A
0: hundred thousand percent. I mean, especially in an industry that is based on aesthetics, that is based on type which is based on you know branding, like marketing. It's a business, right? And what makes money is something that visually looks a certain way. And luckily the conversation is like beginning to be had about, well, there's many different humans on this planet and why are we not employing all of them? But we're not there yet in any stretch of the matter. And we're taught and also in a business that That has for so long had a visual of what it's supposed to look like. So, yes, that is something that many of us, myself included, have come up against. Um, And how do you combat that as something that you're a part of? And also, if you're trying to be a part of it, how do you not um, fall prey towards
1: that? You know? It's hard because, you know, Again, and I know I keep saying this, every person is different. So where where they are when they work with someone like me or they decide that they're going to jump into their nutrition journey, um, it really depends where they are and what they're coming into the room with. Yeah. And so ideally, they would be able to kind of shift the focus towards looking inside and feeling inside and seeing what really is necessary for them and learning to trust that. A lot of people don't trust their bodies, right? Diet culture has really prevented people from trusting themselves. Um, I see it with intermittent fasting all the time. Mm -hmm. People wake up, they're hungry, but they're like, I need to wait until one to eat. Right there, you just don't trust your body. You're not listening to your body. And then your body reacts to that. Um, So it's really first getting people to trust themselves, trust their instincts, and work through any diet culture mentality that they have um, to get them onto, you know, let's call it the other side. But it's very person to person.
0: And it's so hard when you're still inundated with all of it. I think that's the thing too, which is like, you know, for all the work that I've done on myself (laughs) through my own stuff, um, which of which there's a lot, you know, it's like you're still inundated with marketing. You're still inundated with magazines. You're still inundated with People who are famous and you're still inundated with a narrative that consciously or subconsciously makes it really hard to continue tuning into yourself and trusting that your body knows what it needs because we've been gaslit, arguably, into thinking that actually your body doesn't know because it's supposed to think a certain way that everybody else apparently seems to know, which they don't. But you're you're, I mean, it, it really does feel often like a gaslighting moment where I'm like, no, I know, I know I should be eating an egg here. Like for breakfast. And it's like, but also like I can have lunch in two hours. Like it's fine. I don't need to have the egg, the my little egg and spinach omelet in the moment. I can just do that in two hours when I'm I have a little bit more time. You know, like it's just I'm not saying this with like the aspect that we're gonna finish and, and complete this as like a thought and everybody's healed, but it's just really voicing into the space that this is something that I really wish were talked about more, that most of us navigate this in a contentious, difficult, strenuous, emotional way and that there aren't as many resources or it feels like there aren't as many resources to access to begin reshaping the culture and certainly ourselves to feel more empowered um, as we try to continue doing something that is on an athlete level for hopefully a really long period of time.
1: So there's a book, it's the it's the intuitive eating book. And I think it's mm-hmm. worth a read by everyone. Um because it's it, Why? it brings this to light. It talks about diet culture and reframing your mindset and and kind of getting in touch with the negative thoughts. There's a workbook mm-hmm. that goes along with it too and and it's wonderful. You know, if anyone wants a free resource and wants to read, go go read that book. I think mm-hmm. what's important is for everyone to be super gentle with themselves and to to figure out where they are, you know? Where are your negative thoughts? Where are your little wins, right? I tell my clients that like every little win counts. If you went from, and I keep using breakfast, if you went from never having breakfast and you had breakfast four out of the seven mornings this week, that's more than 50%, that's a win, right? Mm -hmm. Even if that breakfast was a half of a banana, you had more than what you were doing before. And so, If you tell me, like if you I, I meet with my clients weekly, if you come to me a week later and you're like, "I didn't eat the full breakfast that we discussed and I didn't do it every day, but I did it four days, and like two of the days I had the full breakfast, and two of the days I had half of a banana. and on those days, I felt like I had way more energy. That's a huge win. Mm-hmm. And so I think people need to be gentle with themselves and and try to do little tiny changes, whether it's on their own, whether it's with a professional, but things that they can feel good about. If you feel like you're not hydrating enough, maybe just add a cup of water. And then maybe that increases the following week to 2. It's all about little teeny tiny changes that add up over, you know, 3 months, 6 months, a year, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. I hear you talking about the relationship of this to one's, you know, mental health arguably, just oh, like yeah. the gentleness and um the way in which we talk to ourselves. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes like I I would never, ever, ever speak to another human being the way that the little fucker in my head talks to me. Ever. You know, like I would never do that. Let like, how do I even let and you know, I try to be like shush. But there are times that we are so not kind to ourselves and just being just a little bit more gentle as even just the start, forgetting like, let me drink some water, (laughs) like letting me have a banana, like just the beginnings of like, how can I just be kinder to myself on an emotional level before I even get to moving through towards these ideal, you know, like health changes or diet shifting or food incorporating or whatever we're calling it, you know, just if that is the start recognizing that is still progress. You know, if you were never being nice to yourself and all of a sudden four days out of the week you're being nice and kind at more points than you were before, like what a lovely little win. I love that. So often I – and I'm really trying to work on this too, but like I, I gauge success based off of an end product. I think many of us do and we forget and we talk in this podcast all the time about process, but we forget that like the process is also part of the thing and that moving through and making these little shifts and we're talking like little shifts is growth and that from these tiny little shifts, more growth will continue happening and that instead of leaping towards the end of like, oh, I have this all figured out, like there are hundreds and thousands of little steps that need to happen before that is in your body comfortably.
1: you guys don't learn the choreography for a show in an hour in one day. <laughs> like, yeah, not like you. I
0: certainly don't.
1: You <laughs> <Not laughs> didn't learn rollerblade in, in five minutes. Surprisingly,
0: no, I did not. No, they were like, "Oh, you ski?" I was like, "Yeah." Um, and this is the same as roller skating. How they're like, "No, yeah, it's the same muscles." I'm like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> sure." But yes, no, it takes it takes a second, you know. But we want we wanted to figure we as humans we just want to figure it out. We want to know what it is and this offering of just being gentle as the beginnings of the shift happen um is one that I do think is the beginning of all the start and it doesn't have anything to do with eating more or less or whatever. Yeah. You know? Um as we begin to wind down our time, is there anything that is on your heart or you wish that we spoke about that you
1: want to share? I, I just wish that it was easier to convey to people how much better they would feel if they worked through the nutrition aspect of things both emotionally and physically. Um, there's there's a dietitian on Instagram and her thing is or social media like find food freedom right That's like that's really a thing. it sounds it might sound cheesy to some people, but just like not feeling trapped by your body, by your, Food by your diet choices, by any of that, just really learning to feel free from any of that so that you can go and just be your best self and feel your best self and go perform as your best self.
0: Yeah. Which feels so hard for so many. So, is that, are you suggesting that it's like find professionals who can help you begin to feel that? Is it like journaling? Is it all of the above?
1: It's a whole spectrum, right? It depends again where you're starting from. Yeah. For some people, it might be easy for them to just, you know, follow some dietitians online and see what resonates with them and what doesn't, and and test the waters themselves. For some people, maybe reading the intuitive eating book and maybe using some of the workbook exercises. One of the exercises is how do you talk to yourself versus how would you talk to a friend in the same situation, right? Yeah. So maybe that's go. helpful. And for for many people, it's it's working with someone like me and that's what i that's what i love about my job is that you can really make a lot of changes but often you need someone who is a professional to hold you accountable and help you get there and and hold your hand and help you see where you can be kinder to yourself and work through it
0: yeah yeah um i'm so grateful that you um <laughs> went on this journey with me again i know that this is like a hot topic and a touchy topic and a scary one and um i think it's awesome that you are really trying to change the narrative for so many people um, around their relationship to being able to do what they do in a way that is sustainable um, for as long as they choose to be the athletes that they are. Um, you know, I and I I'm I'm glad that we're able to like shed a little bit of light onto the nuances um on the back end of what is you know, a resource. So thank you for being in this space with us. Thank you so much for um, having me. Oh my gosh. If anybody wants to work with you or they're more curious about the kind of work that you do or they want to reach out and they have questions, what is the best way within your own boundary uh, for people to reach
1: out? Um, Instagram, TikTok is Sarah Amelia Wenig. My website is newyorknutrition.com. And my email is sarah at newyorknutrition.com, all spelled out, N-E-W-Y-O-R-K, nutrition.com.
0: Beautiful, we will have all of those links for you in the show notes. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you. If you liked this episode, please like, rate, follow, and most importantly, review us. This allows us to continue reaching other ears and minds and humans who want to be engaging in these kinds of conversations. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you are not yet doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at EmpoweredArtistCollective.com. If you want to be kept in the loop, we have a link to get on our email list in the show notes. And if you are seeking some cute, fun, awesome merchandise for yourself or your friends, we also have that link in the show notes as well. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep on coming back and we will be back again next week. Until then.